Due to the current UK lockdown, this week's The Daily News and Brief podcast is being recorded remotely. Welcome to The Daily News and Brief podcast. Today is the 26th of March and this week's main story is The Prime Minister has announced a strict lockdown as British authorities work to slow the spread of the coronavirus. In a TV address on Monday night, Boris Johnson told the public, From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Public gatherings of more than two individuals have now been banned and people are only permitted to leave their homes to buy food or medication, to exercise once a day, to give care to the vulnerable and to travel to work if absolutely necessary. All non-essential shops have been ordered to close and playgrounds and libraries have shut. If you don't follow the rules, the police will have the powers to enforce them, including through fines and dispersing gatherings, Johnson said. The Prime Minister's statement came after the government's emergency coronavirus bill was passed through the Commons in a single day. The legislation contains sweeping powers allowing the government to impose the lockdown and is expected to come into law by Friday. Johnson said the government would review the new measures in three weeks' time and potentially relax the restrictions if the evidence shows they are able to. He insisted the lockdown was necessary to avoid the NHS becoming overwhelmed by a spike in virus cases. Without such measures, there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses, Johnson warned. On Tuesday, Health Secretary Matt Hancock revealed plans for the construction of a makeshift field hospital in the XL Exhibition Centre in East London. Known as the NHS Nightingale Centre, the temporary base will operate 4,000 beds to help ease pressure on intensive care wards in existing hospitals. It will be staffed by NHS workers, military personnel and retired medics after 11,500 nurses and doctors volunteered to return to frontline healthcare. It follows concerns expressed by NHS staff about the rapidly increasing number of coronavirus patients requiring critical care. An audit of intensive care carried out from the start of the epidemic found patients needing the highest level of help surged from 50 on the 9th of March to almost 200 10 days later. Staff have also expressed concern about shortages of protective equipment after two British NHS consultants who caught the virus from infected patients were left requiring ventilator treatment. In a letter to the Prime Minister, 6,200 signatories warned that healthcare workers felt like cannon fodder and were lacking the masks, aprons and gloves needed to safely battle the virus. The Prime Minister has insisted more supplies of equipment, including thousands of virus testing kits, will be made available to medics very soon. In more positive news, over 500,000 people have signed up to volunteer with the NHS in a single day. Matt Hancock announced a recruitment drive for the new NHS Volunteer Responder Scheme on Tuesday. By Wednesday morning, the target of 250,000 recruits had already been hugely exceeded. The volunteers will help deliver food and medicine and support vulnerable people who are self-isolating. Among those to have contracted the virus is the 71-year-old Prince of Wales. In a statement released on Wednesday, Clarence House said Prince Charles was displaying mild symptoms but remained in good health. He is now self-isolating at Balmoral in Scotland alongside his wife Camilla, who tested negative for the virus. More than 8,000 people have contracted the virus in the UK so far and 465 people have died. Meanwhile, the latest UK economic outlook forecast from KPMG has indicated Britain can expect a 2.6% decrease in growth in 2020. The firm has warned it is almost certain that the UK is now sliding into its first significant downturn in over a decade. The government has actioned multiple measures in an attempt to bolster the economy. On Monday, the Department for Transport revealed it would be suspending normal rail franchising agreements and taking over the risk and revenue for train operations for at least six months. The measures are aimed at preventing the collapse of rail companies amid dwindling passenger numbers. Allowing operators to enter insolvency would result in greater travel disruption and higher cost to the taxpayer, the government said. Several businesses have also made headlines with their responses to the new lockdown measures. Following government orders demanding the closure of all non-essential shops, Sports Direct said it would be remaining open as it is 
uniquely well-placed to help keep the UK as fit and healthy as possible. The statement triggered a widespread backlash, prompting a U-turn from the company, which later confirmed it would not open until the government gave the go-ahead. The boss of pub chain Weatherspoons also came under fire after insisting his staff could not be paid until the firm was reimbursed for their wages by the government. Tim Martin provoked anger from workers after telling them they would not be paid after Friday and advising them to find jobs in supermarkets. However, some companies have announced plans to join the battle against the virus. They include Dyson, which has designed a new type of medical ventilator. Founder Sir James Dyson said the company had received a government order for 10,000 of the devices, which are expected to pass stringent medical tests quickly. Elsewhere, chemicals company Ionos has announced plans to build two hand sanitizer factories in just 10 days. The firm, which is run by British billionaire Sir Jim Ratcliffe, said the new factories would aim to produce one million bottles of sanitizer a month. Talks between Ionos and the NHS are underway and could see the sanitizers supplied to hospitals for free. Globally, around a quarter of the world's population are now living under some form of lockdown as authorities battled to contain the virus's spread. The number of people facing quarantine restrictions increased by 1.3 billion on Wednesday when Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi announced a total ban on citizens leaving their homes. In the US, senators have reached a deal with Donald Trump, agreeing to provide a $2.2 trillion emergency relief package to help bolster the US economy. It is the largest economic stimulus in American history. Nearly 70,000 people have contracted the virus in the US and more than 1,000 patients have died. New York is currently at the epicentre of the American outbreak. On Sunday, New York's mayor warned the city was about 10 days away from widespread medical shortages. If we don't get more ventilators, people will die, Bill de Blasio said. Despite concerns at state level, Trump said he intends to end coronavirus shutdown measures within weeks. The president's plans come in spite of warnings from the World Health Organization that the country risks being the next centre of the virus. Our country wasn't built to be shut down, Trump claimed. In Europe, deaths from the virus have continued to rise. Spain reported a further 738 fatalities on Wednesday. The increase has seen Spain reach a total of 3,647 deaths, overtaking China to become the country with the second highest tally of coronavirus deaths worldwide. Spanish officials have drafted in the military to assist with the outbreak response. According to the country's defence ministry, soldiers called in to help disinfect care homes found some elderly people left abandoned by staff. Others were discovered dead in their beds. The Spanish government said it would not tolerate mistreatment in care homes and prosecutors have launched an investigation into the incidents. Italy remains the worst affected country, with 7,503 deaths recorded in total. However, in South Korea and Germany, efforts to combat the pandemic appear to be having a positive effect. The head of Germany's Public Health Institute said social distancing measures were on course to level off the number of new infections in the country for the first time. In South Korea, officials reported just 67 new cases on Monday, the lowest level since infection rates peaked in the country four weeks ago. In China, the lockdown on Hubei province, the epicentre of the pandemic, was lifted at midnight on Tuesday. More than 50 million people will now be able to move freely in the region for the first time in over two months after only a handful of new domestic cases were reported in recent days. In UK news, Baroness Farsi and Labour MP Debbie Abrahams have written to the BBC asking that the broadcaster introduce a code of conduct for panellists and audience members appearing on its flagship political show, Question Time. In a letter to BBC Director General Sir Tony Hall, Farsi and Abrahams questioned how the programme's audience members are sourced and asked Hall to confirm whether far-right supporters are invited to appear in an attempt to curry large ratings. It follows anger over the BBC's decision to share comments by a recent Question Time audience member on Twitter. The individual claimed migrants were flooding into the UK and costing public services too much. It was later revealed the audience member had previously stood in a general election for the neo-Nazi group National Front. 
Responding to Varsi and Abraham's letter on Sunday, the BBC said, We take the issues raised in this letter very seriously and regularly discuss the tone and content of the programme. The Chief Medical Officer for NHS Blood and Transplant has called on the public to give blood amid falling donation levels, saying it's a reason to go outside and then do something amazing. Dr Gail Mifflin has urged blood donors to keep their appointments during the coronavirus after donations were significantly lower than expected last week. The decline is thought to be linked to concerns about safety and uncertainty about whether sessions are still going ahead. Dr Mifflin has reassured donors that extra hygiene precautions are being taken and confirmed that the coronavirus cannot be transmitted by blood. Blood donation saves lives and we will need our donors more than ever over the next few weeks and months, she added. The former First Minister of Scotland has been acquitted on all charges following a two-week trial for sexual assault. Alex Salmond had been facing 12 charges of attempted rape, sexual assault and indecent assault. However, after deliberating for around six hours on Monday, the jury at the High Court in Edinburgh found Salmond not guilty on all counts. Salmond, who served as Scottish First Minister from May 2007 until November 2014, had denied the charges involving nine women. Summing up the case for the prosecution, Alex Prentice QC said Salmon was a powerful man who abused his power to satisfy his sexual desires with impunity. However, Salmon's defence lawyers rejected the allegations and claimed inconsistencies in evidence suggested the charges were orchestrated. The Supreme Court has ruled that the UK acted unlawfully by passing evidence to the US, which could lead to the execution of two British terror suspects. The case was brought against the Home Office by the mother of suspect Shafi El-Sheikh. Maha El-Ghazuli challenged the decision to share the information on the grounds it left El-Sheikh at risk of the death penalty, which is illegal in the UK but not in the US. Ruling in El-Ghazuli's favour on Wednesday, Lord Kerr said the court found the decision to share the information was in breach of UK data protection laws and based on political expediency rather than strict necessity. The two British suspects are currently in US custody in Iraq after being linked with 27 Islamic State murders. US officials insist they will prosecute the men if the UK does not put them on trial in London. The Association of Cycle Traders, ACT, said its members had reported a boom in bicycle repair requests and strong bike sales as the public attempt to avoid public transport during the coronavirus outbreak. The government has labelled bicycle retailers and repair shops an essential service, meaning they can continue trading during the virus lockdown. Jonathan Harrison of ACT said, in the last 10 days, there has been a surge in the number of people getting bikes out of sheds and garages, dusting them off and thinking, I might need this. Several bicycle shops have also offered to service NHS workers' bikes for free or at discounted prices, while the Brompton Bicycle Company has lent 200 bikes to staff at hospitals in London to help them travel to work. A woman arrested in Bolton has been detained under the Mental Health Act following the murder of a seven-year-old girl. Greater Manchester Police said the child was stabbed to death in a totally unprovoked and random attack in Queen's Park on Sunday. The girl, who was at the park with her family, suffered extremely serious injuries and died a short time later. Police confirmed the child's family had been informed of the woman's detention and said a criminal investigation into the incident would still go ahead. They also thanked a bystander for their action at the scene, saying, having seen this horrendous attack, a member of the public bravely chased after the woman and detained her until the police arrived. Hundreds of Travelodge residents have been turned out onto the street after the hotel chain closed its sites. The company issued letters to all residents on Tuesday asking that they leave as soon as possible. Those kicked out of the hotels include homeless families temporarily housed there by local councils. Travelodge claimed the closures were implemented in light of official social distancing guidelines. However, government guidance for hotels housing homeless families has made clear that such accommodation should not close. One anonymous local authority housing officer described the loss of travel lodge accommodation as devastating for the homeless. Housing advice services were drowning before coronavirus. Now it is actually critical, they said. 
The Royal Ballet has confirmed it will no longer be working with its star choreographer after he was accused of sexual misconduct. Liam Scarlett, a world-famous ballet choreographer, has been removed as the company's artist-in-residence and performances of his latest productions have been cancelled. However, the company said an independent investigation into Scarlett's behaviour towards students at the Royal Ballet School had found no matters to pursue. It follows Scarlett's initial suspension by the company in August. A Royal Ballet spokesperson said it would not be commenting on the specifics of the case to preserve the anonymity of those concerned. London Mayor Sadiq Khan has defended Transport for London's decision to reduce underground services, saying, If the number of TfL staff off sick or self-isolating continues to rise, as we sadly expect it will, we will have no choice but to reduce services further. It follows criticism from the Prime Minister, who called on TfL to run more services after photos show commuters packing onto tube trains despite advice regarding social distancing. Khan has claimed further trains could not safely be run due to staff illness. The underground is currently operating at 50% of its usual peak time capacity, with almost a third of the TfL staff off work due to illness or self-isolation. While measures such as queuing systems have been introduced to improve social distancing on the tube, the mayor has insisted the problem cannot be resolved without stronger support from the government. He has urged ministers to ban non-essential construction work and provide the self-employed with proper financial support so they are able to stay at home. Parliament's pension fund has cut its investment in fossil fuel companies in a bid to bring MPs' pensions in line with official climate action targets. A new report from the £700 million pension fund showed a record level of investment is now being made in renewable energy and environmentally sustainable funds. It follows calls from 360 serving and former MPs urging the pension fund to align itself with the government's climate goals. Renewable energy investments now make up 5% of its portfolio. However, the fund still retains some multi-million pound investments in oil companies BP and Shell. Universities in England have been ordered to stop making unconditional offers to applicants for the next two weeks. The order from the Office for Students is aimed at reducing confusion over admissions during the coronavirus outbreak. The Higher Education Watchdog expressed concerns that universities were dropping their entrance requirements in a bid to push applicants to commit to courses following the cancellation of A-level exams. The move has been backed by Universities Minister Michelle Donnellan, who said an influx of unconditional offers risks destabilising the entire admissions system and could push anxious students into making a quick decision. Elsewhere in the world. Prosecutors in Turkey have charged 20 suspects over the murder of Jamal Hashoji. The Saudi journalist was murdered inside Saudi Arabia's Istanbul consulate in October 2018. While Western intelligence agencies believe the killing was ordered by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi authorities have blamed it on rogue operatives. Prosecutors have now indicted 18 people for carrying out the killing, while Saudi Arabia's former deputy intelligence chief and a former royal aide have both been charged with instigating the murder. The charges are based on witness statements, official records and information from Hashoji's digital devices. The US is to cut a billion dollars of aid to Afghanistan after its leaders failed to agree on a unity government to begin talks with the Taliban. Both President Ashraf Ghani and his rival Abdullah Abdullah have claimed power in Afghanistan following the country's elections last year. On Monday, US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo travelled to Kabul in an attempt to agree a unity government. Pompeo said the talks were unsuccessful and had forced the US to review its cooperation with Afghanistan. Aid from the US could be cut by a further $1 billion next year, Pompeo warned. The rift between Ghani and Abdullah has stalled progress on peace talks with the Taliban and caused a temporary ceasefire to collapse. Top businesswomen attending the World Economic Forum in Davos are routinely harassed by fellow attendees, according to an investigation by The Times. Members of the global elite meet in the Swiss town every year to discuss issues such as the climate crisis and inequality. 
Alongside the official conference, private parties, meetings and dinners are organised by those hoping to network and strike deals. According to undercover investigators, female delegates are warned not to attend such events alone. Because if something happens with some big CEO, who is going to be believed, you or them, one forum official reportedly said. A spokesperson for the conference said it had a zero tolerance policy towards harassment and could not be held responsible for the conduct of delegates at unofficial events. Tokyo 2020 organisers and the International Olympic Committee, IOC, have agreed that the Olympic flame will remain in Japan despite the postponement of this year's Games, saying the flame could become the light at the end of the tunnel in which the world finds itself at present. In a joint statement released by the IOC and Tokyo 2020 organisers on Tuesday, it was confirmed that the Olympic and Paralympic Games would be postponed for a year due to the coronavirus pandemic. The delay is aimed at safeguarding the health of the athletes, others involved in the Games and the international community. The Tokyo Games have been due to begin on the 24th of July. They will now take place no later than summer 2021. It is the first time the Olympics has been delayed in its 124-year modern history, although the event was cancelled entirely in 1916, 1940 and 1944 during the two world wars. The Great Barrier Reef has suffered its third mass coral bleaching event in five years. Scientists carrying out aerial surveys of the reef have discovered evidence of mass bleaching just three days into a nine-day survey. We know this is a mass bleaching event and it's a severe one, Professor Terry Hughes of James Cook University said. Hughes warned the latest surveys suggested the bleaching could be comparable to that recorded in 2017, when approximately 22% of the Great Barrier Reef's shallow water coral died. Bleaching occurs when corals sit in unusually hot waters for too long. It can result in the death of coral, meaning global heating poses a major threat to reef ecosystems. Our facts of the week are More than 27 million people tuned in live to watch the Prime Minister's address to the nation on Monday night. The pre-recorded broadcast saw Boris Johnson order Britons to stay in their homes. Its enormous viewing figures have made the address one of the most watched broadcasts in British television history, ranking alongside the likes of the 1966 World Cup final and the funeral of Princess Diana. Conservationists are celebrating the growth of the African black rhino population in the wild after the species was driven close to extinction by poachers. While the rhinos remain in grave danger, painstaking conservation efforts have seen numbers in the wild grow 2.5% over six years, rising from 4,845 in 2012 to an estimated 5,630 in 2018. The continued slow recovery is a testament to the immense efforts made in the countries and a powerful reminder that conservation works, the International Union for Conservation of Nature said. And finally, group calls on Facebook have increased 1,000% during Italy's coronavirus lockdown. According to the social media giant, group calls of three or more users surged in Italy last month as those quarantined at home reached out to friends and family. With schools closed and millions of people now working from home, social media platforms are facing unprecedented traffic. We are experiencing new records in usage almost every day, Facebook said. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.